Hello, my fellow music lovers. I'm Alison Hagendorf, and welcome to the show. This is where we celebrate the universal love of music and the rock and roll spirit that lives in each of us. Thank you so much for being part of the show. I would love for you to hit the subscribe button if you're watching on YouTube or follow the show if you're listening. I'm so glad you're here. My guest today is the multi-platinum genre-defying artist, Grandson. We talk all about his new album, I Love You, I'm Trying, how becoming a mental health advocate holds him accountable to stay on top of his own wellness, how he defines success, why he thinks his fans are the real rock stars, and why he never listened to Metallica. And stay tuned after the interview for my sound advice. New music you need to know. It all starts now. You are about to embark on your European headlining tour. I feel like when I hear myself say this, I am so excited for you because I know how hard you have worked and how far you have come. And you have done full tours opening for Avril Lavigne, Imagine Dragons. You know, your live show now is next level. Like, Do you feel that way? How do you feel about it? Thank you. Um, yeah, I'm excited about it. You know as well as anybody, uh, just the the... Uh, the amount that it took to get to this point and be able to play these rooms across the world and bring people together. Uh, I, I personally love the live show. I'm biased, but I think that it's gotten a lot better as I've kind of really focused in on giving the experience to fans that come, having a sense of what's bringing people there and and trying to encourage uh, in, an inclusive kind of like cathartic space to let your energy out. Yeah. The more that I've kind of doubled down on the community component of it, the more that I've found um, success with the live show. I think at the beginning, I was just kind of thrashing around and making a lot of it about me. And I think now I'm trying to uh, be more of a soundtrack for what people are feeling and, and use the live show for people to meet one another in their city and that has so much deeper roots. Mm-hmm. And that's been really, really cool to watch unfold now over a couple of years, meeting people that that met at the Grandson Show because I took a second for fans to introduce themselves to one another in the crowd who are now in relationships, having kids Aww. or whatever. Like that part of it <sighs> really is what drives home for me. Like I can be a figure in, in, in somebody's life and come to a city once a year. And what from that can I do? And how can I plant seeds now that 10, 15, 20 years from now, the people that came to a grandson show are going to keep coming because of the role that the show played in their lives. So the more that I just get out of the way of that, um, the more the more profound I think the experience is for all of us in the room. That is so beautiful and powerful to think that your music has created a community, a subculture. I mean, your fans are so dedicated because of the message in your music, the vulnerability and the power of it. You have really created these fans that it's become part of their lives. I mean, there's nothing more rewarding than that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Fuck yeah. And to to really think about how far you have come, because I need to just take a moment to think about your show of course, yeah, we gotta go. We have all, to. We gotta go all. We the have way to. Alison Hagendorf show. We gotta go all the way back. We have to go all the way back, and I also wanted to do it for you because you have come so far. But I want to like reel you back in for a sec. Cool. You played El Cid in Silver Lake. How many people do you think were there? Probably fifty, maybe. And there wasn't even really a stage, right? Yeah, yeah. It was it's sort a of Mexican like Mexican restaurant, right? It's a Mexican restaurant, and I feel like you were like maybe standing on like something that was like a couple inches high. Uh-huh. We were like this close to each other. Yeah, yeah. But here's the thing about you is that show was magic. And that speaks volumes about you and your innate charisma and ability to affect and transform. And you came out, you blew my mind. Didn't matter where we were, or how many people were there. You were there and I was there. And I was like, this is magic. And I remember I posted a video of that night. And so many, I always post videos of shows, but everyone hit me up. Like, who is this? What's happening? Like, I love this kid. And I just knew that, wow, I can't 
imagine what is going to happen. And now you are really there. Wow. You know, do you ever take a second to think about that? Like that night at El Cid, what you and I talked about? Like, what can we do with the show? We can incorporate visuals. We can mm-hmm, do all mm-hmm. these things. And like, you've, you're doing it. You've done it. And look where you are. And you have a community. Yeah. Around it's, you. it's incredible that that show that you're, you're talking about was the first show I ever, ever did where I didn't know everyone in the room. It was mm-hmm. the first show in my entire life where I wasn't like, yeah, that's the guitar player's older brother and his <laughs> friend. Like, that's the girl I'm dating. Like, blah, blah, blah. Like, this is the first show where I'm like, I remember after that show, this couple came up to me and they were, you know, I'm like, how did you find it? They're like, uh, we like your music. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, how, right. what? You like, know, who do you still, know? Who, right. Yeah, precisely. So yeah. I think that that experience for me was really exciting and, uh, um, and, and what an opportunity it was. I remember there was like a whisper that like that you were going to be there. And, uh, you know, I, I remember out of the peripheral, I'm, I'm playing the show and I'm like, I wonder if, if this person's here. I know that they could do so much to amplify what I'm working on and how cool would that be? But probably didn't show up or if she is she's probably in the back. And then suddenly like this mosh pit breaks out <laughs> in front of me. And it was like one of the first ones I had ever like. Again, the one that the first monster that I wasn't personally in there throwing elbows. And I remember looking in and like seeing this like five foot five, like little like woman. And like, but like with the same, we got, you know, like with the guns out, throwing people around. And um, and I remember then I put it to, because the the videos you were tagging me and they're like kind of all over the place. And they're they're in, they're from like ground zero. So I kind of put two together. I was like, wow, I guess that was that chick. That's fucking cool. And, uh, you know, th- those those experiences were so um, vital talking about what the show could be. And and I've tried a lot of different things with it. We've we've done conceptual characters on stage and and elaborate production and, and then gone too far and had to scale it back. I remember um, not that long ago, a couple of years ago, we were still doing, you know, uh, early festival gigs and we've got. 30 40 checked bags and we're bringing this whole production and i'm looking at it like you know this isn't really going to be sustainable if i don't if i don't get a grasp on how to do this in a way that that will um sustain and and that that is r- replicable that i can keep duplicating mm-hmm. the show over and over again if i don't kind of get my my head around it and and so now i feel like we have a, a, as much show as we can pack into this thing and and this year this this uh, is the first real headline run where i'm like okay let's do 90 shows and let's just kind of get a real sense on on if it's working what do people want and expect from me and i feel like um just so so grateful to be here and there's such difficult hours to log I, i i just hope that people that watch this or that people that reach out to you every day hoping to get put on don't look at the artists that are on this podcast and think that it's a finished product. I, I recognize it's just so rare and lucky to even have the opportunity to make those mistakes that now I'm finally um, reining in and now I'm finally learning so much from. But um, making mistakes and, and playing these tiny little shows is just is it's such a big part of it. And I don't know anybody that comes out with, with everything figured out. So. Oh, no one does. Absolutely. No one does. Yeah. And having a good team around you and people that hold you accountable and, and, um, and, and truly making sure that, that the show feels like the music sounds like the identity, Mm -hmm. like at the core of it, is uh, a couple things that make you you and that everything from the visuals to the tour they all have to reinforce and, and uplift that that core identity and that is a thing that I'm constantly working on and 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 fighting with because part of me just loves doing all kinds of creative things and different projects yeah. and um, making music that sounds so different from one another, but still making sure that there is that fingerprint, that DNA to it that um, that people can come back to and expect uh, the thing that brought them into the room in the first place. I love you. I'm trying. It's such an incredible album. Thank I you. actually listened to it again, just gearing up for today, just to kind of, because when it first came, it was only a couple months ago. Yeah. It's really a special body of work and it's, definitely your most personal mm-hmm. 
you have always been very socially conscious talking about whether it's politics or global matters, you know, this one is really also about you mm-hmm. and is very vulnerable talking even about family members. Tell me about the process of this album and sort of like what headspace you had to get into to do this. Yeah. Well, the album itself began, I wasn't really sure what I was trying to make. I was just writing music and and playing a lot of shows. We've, we've done almost a show every three days for three or four years now. Um, when you factor the pandemic aside, like, and so I, I found myself trying to make an album while having these experiences. And the last thing I want to do is be comfortable. The last thing I want to do is fall into a pattern or a sense of obligation to make grandson the something just because people expect it from me. Mm. So, um, for me, Talking about what I've been through, what's led me to having the sorts of um, attitudes that I have around the world, some of the, the the darkness and the cynicism that I bring to these conversations and the angst that leads my music to being so heavy. Like, I just wanted to make something um, that would help provide that context for people that are already a fan of my work. And um, this album for me was was a necessary stepping stone when I think about my, my life and my career, not with each song making or breaking this thing. Uh, I'm no longer drowning and just grasping at maybe if I make this smash single that I'll be able to uh, get out of the, the, the circumstance in my life. I'm now at a point where I, I do have fans. I am um, an artist. I, I believe wow. in what I'm building. And when I look at my career, and I have 10 albums, what do I want my second one to be about? Right. And when I relaxed some of that tension, some of that feeling like of consequence of what happens if this thing doesn't become something, right? then I was able to um, make an album just because I wanted to make it and make something that I just loved making. And that's so, so hard. I, I really don't know any artist right now that that looks at this time in in being a creator or is making anything that feels particularly relaxed about it. Right. There's such an urgency for people's attention and there's such a scarcity mentality that penetrates every single component of what we do. It's like water. Like it just finds cracks, mm-hmm. whether you're in a recording studio or you're making things, there's just this, this sense of desperation that so many people have right now. And so I just wanted to make an album that was a rejection of that for better and for worse. I just wanted to make something really personal. I wanted to make something really intimate. And something that fans of mine can can learn more about me and and that I can be as vulnerable as I know how to be. And from there, I can continue to build right. whatever. Um, as long as I just look at this as just another piece of the puzzle, another drop in this thing that's going to be this rich body of work yeah. one day. Um, and I think that's what led me a little off of a conventional rock album, a little less um, what you might expect from Grandson. There's still like darkness to it. There's still a heaviness and um, energy, of course. But yeah, that was kind of what led me to want to make something that was just a little weird and personal. I love it. And I hope that you feel at this milestone, you have gotten to a place where you're not allowing yourself to think about that, to think about radio or numbers to me that's freedom like to me that's success yeah you know like to imagine like you're at that point where you're like i'm good i no longer have imposter syndrome you yeah. know like i deserve to be here i've done the work i have real fans yeah like what does that feel like yeah i think like i think you just said it like success to me is freedom and i came into rock and roll certainly as an outlier, a, a, a fan and, and student of hip hop, um, of electronic music, of, of alternative music, but kind of rejecting the conventional um, aesthetic. And, and I just, I just kind of came into it kind of ass backwards, just, just looking for a, a sound where I could be myself and, and, be taken seriously as a songwriter. Yeah. And from that place, I learned the ins and outs of, uh, of a successful radio campaign or the importance of playlisting or what this algorithm can do to make kings and queens of us or, or 
take so much from us. Mm -hmm. And from there, you begin to place this value on achieving um, these things that you didn't even know about three years ago. And then three years from now might be taken from you again. Totally. So why the fuck do I care so much about about these things? Like, I think that that was... um, that was something I needed to to redefine for myself. Success is freedom. Success is being able to make things I love, tour uh, on a schedule and with people around me that that fill me up and that reaffirm why I do this. Um, because for a long time there was such a, a, a an insecurity, an instability built into the decision making that I was doing, and so. You know, I just don't want to look back and realize I spent the whole time putting out fires or being so restless. I, I do believe you can you can have fun and enjoy it, and that that will turn into um, a, a fun atmosphere for people when you look around and the artist on stage is having a good time and yes. is comfortable. And um, I, I I've just been to enough shows now where I feel like I can get a pretty good sense of it through the body language of the people on stage, yeah. through the the openness the artist has in interviews. Like I know when there is that discord, when there is that tension, yes. it's no fun. Like it's no fun to do it. And we got into this because we didn't want a job. Right. So now right, I'm going right. to like treat touring like it's a job and like, fuck that. I just want to make things I love and be so, so lucky that people are with me on this journey. Um, that's what's really cool. And that's what makes me want to do it more because I really did start having these kind of panic attacks and this anxiety and this feeling like I just don't want to do it anymore if it's not going to be fun. Mm-hmm. And uh, that for me, uh, whether that's in your work or that's in your relationships, when you get to that point where you're you're looking at giving up as a realistic option, then all the bets are off and then you have the freedom to change all of it. Yes. Like, because you're about to give up anyways. You know, yeah. how many relationships have have fallen apart without even trying to experiment with what are some other ways we can we can do this? What are some other things we can bring to the table to stay together? Um, I felt like I was at that inflection point with with grandson, with with this project that I'd given so much of my my life and my my art to building. And uh all of a sudden I was like, oh, we can just do it as however we want and and fans will show up and making this album as weird as I wanted to and and as soulful and as far a departure from what people expected um has really made me even more confident to get back in and just do what I do because people are people are rocking with it. It's so good and I would say the only thing I expect from you is that I don't know what to expect and I think that's your thing and that's what I love about you. From the very beginning you have been a fusion of so many different sounds and feelings and emotions and influences that I think you've stayed true to that. And I think that's your signature sound. I would yeah. never know how to describe you to anyone. I just say it's grandson. Thank you. You know, and I think that that's what sticks with people. I love that Wafia was part of this album. I love that you you were able to have your partner be part of this work. What was that like collaborating together? Yeah, it's it's very funny. I mean, this album that I just put out a couple months ago is and was a very intimate body of work. So I wanted to have the people around me that influence and inspire me be a part of it, whether that was um, my girlfriend who sang on across a lot of the record. Um, or my father who contributed to the first song on the album. Um, there are different kinds of creators. I've, I've worked with so many different people and done so much collaboration. Um, I'm somebody who treats songwriting like a problem to be solved. I'm looking for the concept or melody that in that room is uh, without compromise. And from there, we can reverse engineer a structured song around that thing that everyone in the room agrees is not worth giving up on. It's mm-hmm. it's actually quite a heady process for me to write a song. And then for, for a lot of people and, and for Wafia um, without speaking for her, I do feel that her process is much more about um, intuition. It is much more grounded in, in feeling it's much more sensual. And how does this move me? If it doesn't, I don't know how to or won't even want to contribute to it. I might like for me to go into a session 
to write a song and not leave with a song, even if I don't even like it, is is extremely difficult. It feels like a failure that day. Mm-hmm. Um, versus some other people in my life who will come home from a day in a recording studio and be like, that was great. I'll be like, I can't wait to listen. And they'll be like, to what? You know? Like, <laughs> but I, may, I met somebody that I like. You know, we, we had a really interesting conversation. <laughs> Right. And then that'll right. turn into a song three months from now. Right. And I yeah. think again, it is about the scarcity mentality. It's like if you if you move through the world and you just trust that inspiration will find you, then you'll have more fun with it. But there was absolutely a clash of that of that kind of identity in the studio that we needed to kind of negotiate and and get on the same page with. But it was fun. I love I love um, working through those things and and working with your partner on a project and being invested in in the outcome um and again redefining success i think from when i when i look at her her new album which is incredible um i think that success of that album isn't for on my end as her partner is not measured in how other people how much they listen to it or just is is she proud of it yes is it an accurate reflection of where she's at in her life is this thing a time capsule and and did she enjoy it um and i think she looked at contributing to this album the same way and for me being on song number 80 90 of the grandson discography i thought the introduction of a female voice that could kind of serve as this um, conscience throughout the album and bring this kind of this cohesive um, texture mm-hmm. was really fun and and interesting for me. I really wanted to just introduce some new sounds to to the project and and consistently give people something other than what they might expect. You know? It's so good. And now you're at this point in your career where you have discography. Like yeah. You just said the word discography. Like, doesn't that make you feel crazy? And like, to know that you've collaborated with, whether it's Mike Shinoda or Tom Morello or Travis Barker, like you've collaborated with people that you that have inspired you. You know, how does that feel to get to a point to be working with people you really admire? You know, it's cool. And I... I feel really lucky to have gotten to see the different styles of of work um, that different people have brought in. And it's so cool to just see that there is no one path. Right. You look for a through line when you get to work with so many icons like I have. You're looking for, is there a particular key to success that they all seem to share? And I do think that there is a consistent maybe work ethic or a curiosity or even you could go so far as to say a playfulness that many of these artists that I've worked with that are in their 40s and 50s who have 20, 30 years of of catalog, of, of art and hundreds and hundreds of shows are still really excited yes. to work with young up-and-coming artists. Like there is that um, thing, but beyond that, all bets are off how one person achieves such um, success and and make something that means so much to so many people. Um, there's something both terrifying and liberating mm-hmm. about the reality that, dude, <laughs> right. none of it matters. Just make shit and you could be so lucky. Right. And some of the people that I've been the most inspired by and who work the hardest I've been in the studio with are not the most successful. Right. And it really is just a, such a, an amount of luck being in the right place at the right time with the right sound, being ahead of where things are turning. Um, and having caught in a small glimpse of that at, at one or two moments in my career, um, uh, it, it, it'll really humble you. And it's cool to just be a fly on the wall and, and watch other people's perspectives. And being able to look back at, at now five, six years of work. And um, again, I felt this love-hate relationship with my song, Blood Water, because it is that moment, um, that intersection with something so much bigger than myself. When I would make music, uh, I spent a long time, again, like being almost competitive with this version of myself that is frozen in time. The more that I relaxed my attitude, the more I felt grateful that I have this song that has connected and inspired and taken me around the world, the more that I was, again, free. And that's what success is, is cool. That song made it possible for me to make this album that is weird and and experimental 
And um, I think that that's been a really interesting thing when I look at this, this broad catalog of work and I make better music. I have a lot more fun when I am thinking about my career as defined by 10 albums, 15 albums. When I look at the Neil Youngs and Aww. Leonard Cohen's, yes. you know, that may that be the legacy I leave behind. When you think about, wow, what did you really think about that third album he did when he was, you know, in his mid 20s? <laughs> Just coming out, it's I don't right. remember. It doesn't. It it's it's just one tile in this mosaic. Right. It really over time, when you zoom out far enough, an artist really becomes who they are. Um, and I think that right now there's such a desire for instant gratification, and we put on a pedestal these artists that die so young they don't have a chance to go through those ups and downs. They don't have a chance to to grow older and to make music that that reflects different chapters in our lives. Um, that's not the kind of artist I want to be. And I think that this album was the first one that I finally accepted that because a little part of me was was really wondering, will I, will I end up on this Mount Rushmore? Will I make something great with the kind of deflating, boring concept of time baked into my career? If you're just frozen in this one place, isn't that more exciting? And, um, you know, in some ways it is, but I, I think now it makes me more excited to make music when I don't feel this pressure yes. that every song is going to mean something or not. It's like, dude, just make shit that you love and keep people around you that inspire you. And only good things can come from that. I think the fact that Neil Young is going to be playing the Roxy 50 years later, he is the pinnacle, still touring and playing and writing and creating. I mean, yeah, that's really a gift. I that's mean, that cool. Is- I grew up on the Eagles and Jackson Brown, mm-hmm. and, you know, and, and to see those kinds of artists still here, inspiring people and and continuing to guide people through different chapters of their lives. Yeah. Seeing people that are my parents' age look forward to a concert coming to town that brings them back. But not just is this nostalgia kick, it's also meeting people where they are. Like, of course. I feel like... This album, this tour, this experience for me has been going into this new chapter in our lives for the people that have been listening to me for five years because it's a long time. Um, And the pandemic kind of accelerated that and fucked with our our relationship to time. But but yeah, that first that that El Cid show you were talking about was now six years ago. Crazy. And so it's like, wow, okay, that that's really exciting. What can I do instead of resisting that instead of resenting that that time has passed um what can i do to embrace that Mm -hmm. how can i make music and how can i make choices in my life that um teach me how to embrace and enjoy becoming one day if i'm lucky like an og and hopefully i can put on some 23 year old someday and you know that that was a cool thing about this album i got to work with you know, people like Mike Shinoda who put me on. I also did four or five songs on the record with, you know, a kid named Boone who's a 20-year-old producer who the first time I was in the studio said he grew up listening to Grandson. Wow. Like he was listening to some of your playlists when he was 14 years old. And now he's in LA making great music, has a really, really cool solo project as well. And he was in the studio with me making this album and that that was really exciting for me. I was like, damn, now this is what happens when you stick around. This is yes. what happens when you take care of your mental health. This is what happens when you prioritize longevity. You get to have these kinds of experiences that are that are really rich in meaning. And you get to actually be here to receive those flowers. You get to be here to see the impact that you you had on on the game. So that's cool. That's that, I'm at a really interesting point in my life where I still feel up and coming. I still feel like there's so much um, runway in front of me, but I'm also making choices creatively, um, to, to bring more people on and, and to enjoy how far I've already come. Of course. Let's talk about mental health. It's something you've always been vocal about, passionate about people being good to themselves. Of course you've struggled. We all have struggled with your own mental health, uh, battles. How have you kind of gotten yourself out of those rock bottom low points? Yeah. How have you sort of switch, like flipped the switch? Yeah, it's um, it's something that follows me throughout my, my life, my journey. It was a big, big part of what compelled me to make music in the first place. 
there's a, a noticeable absence of happy songs in the grandson discography. It's clearly been a vehicle for me to make sense of the, the worst, uh, impulses that I have. So for me, um, I really do think that finding experiences that bring newness into your life is such a big part of it. Getting out of routine and breaking patterns has always helped me put a bad stretch of time in the past. Um, and and for me, writing is that. And And so whether that's just writing in a journal or writing music or whatever it is, like that thing has really helped me um, put the words into context when things don't feel good, uh, when things feel overwhelming, when you can't see the other side mm-hmm. of a problem, that for me is a very suffocating experience. It's kind of like a bad trip, you know, like I've learned so much from taking psychedelics and there's nothing worse than a feeling that like something's gone wrong. You can't really articulate what it is. Yeah. Yes. It's like I am in this sunken place forever. But when you're able to, you know, get a little bit more perspective on it and just ride out the storm, you learn so much on the other side of that. You're such a better person and such a stronger person for going through it. So, yeah, those experiences of of writing it down and and working with a, a therapist, this kind of central figure who's been in my life my entire career. It, sometimes we talk every week. Sometimes we don't talk for months. But I have this kind of mentor that I, I return to. And um, it was funny. My therapist actually came to his first grandson concert. Oh, wow. Uh, on this tour, which was a really, really Wait, interesting thing. That, so how, tell me more about that. That's wild. Yeah, it was, it was cool. We, we didn't hang out. It was, um, it was kind of intimate. I wasn't really sure where and how to introduce this person around. It'd be weird to just be like, yeah, this is the person that like I've broken down to a hundred times. But um, it certainly gave a lot of context, I think, for both of us. Yeah. You know? um, and, you know, I just can't help. I'm a performer. I'm always like, hell yeah, I'm one of these favorite clients. Yeah. Hell yeah <laughs> give him some free T-shirts and shit. Come on. All the merch. What are we doing? The OG merch. Of course yeah. you want to yeah. be your, your therapist's That's favorite incredible. client. So anyways, um. Yeah, no, that was a funny, funny that's, experience. That's funny. I didn't see him in the mosh pit, though. Um, I was a little disappointed. Yeah. That would have been pretty cool. But um, but no, th- those are just some of the some of the tools that I use. And you know, also just I think whether it's writing songs or taking care of your mental health, a, a big thing is also you you build a, an expectation. These are the things I do to achieve the results I want. And you have to also be loose enough and, and forgiving to yourself when they stop working. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you're a big advocate for, for your physical health as well as your mental health, you know? And sometimes you are really regimented and everything's working. And sometimes you have limitations of time or your body's against yep. you. And not being too hard on yourself, yes. not using that as an excuse to abandon your practice, right. but rather approaching your limitations with that same curiosity of, well, this is what I can't do, so or this isn't working right now. What are the other ways that I can take care of myself? What are the other ways I can honor this thing? And yes, um, I, I do feel um, because I've become an advocate for mental health, there is also an accountability that sometimes I don't feel like doing it. Yeah. But I do feel like a giant hypocrite if I tell other people yes. to move through that. Yes. So using my platform in this way, it does create an accountability between me and my fans. Like, you know, I really try not to. And, and I say this with respect to the people that that feel like there's no other option. I try not to cancel tours or not show up for my fans because of my mental health, even when it's really bad, there is an accountability where I'm going to do what I can to be there for people and, and make a difference for them, even when I don't feel like it, even when I don't feel like I can. And generally on the other side of that is is the reward of, of having done it. The same way when you show up and work out and you don't feel like it, you leave being like, damn, that was awesome. I'm yeah. Happy. happy I did that. Even if I couldn't do everything that I want to. So, um, yeah, it's anybody going through it. You just got to keep going and don't be too hard on yourself and to give yourself grace. Yeah. And to anybody having a bad drug trip while watching this, what are you watching a podcast? (laughs) Go do some more fun shit. Go pet a dog. Get outside. That's a good point. That's a good point. Get out of here. Turn your phone off. (laughs) 
Talk to me also about energy and emotion because your fans, they come to your shows and they are transported. They are hanging on to every lyric because it really speaks to them. Your fans have told you you've saved them. You know, you've done a lot for your fans. Does that put a certain pressure on you, that sort of energy exchange um, and to know the role you've played in so many people's lives? That's a great question. No, I I don't. I I, I find a certain... Um, I, I, I certainly am am grateful when people take the time to to express what this music has meant for them, but when people bring that kind of energy to me, I do my best to deflect it. Ultimately, I say this with all the respect and love I have for my fans. I didn't actually do that for them. Right. I don't know you, right. whether it you know a, a person that I'm meeting for the first time, right who's been waiting outside the tour bus for hours to let me know what my what my music did for them and what I did for them. I, I feel like the best thing I can do for that person is remind them who was there for you at your lowest. You know, it certainly wasn't me uh, making music in Los Angeles in a recording studio. You were there. I'm, I'm grateful yeah. to have played a role and um, it, it's so validating and rewarding to hear that me at my lowest can can mean something to somebody but like dude you did that shit uh, you know and the more yeah. that i can take some of the love that we give and th- these parasocial relationships are so strong and i take uh, uh honestly i recognize that that's when i share so much and i try to be as as relatable as i can of course it, it is not only like a consequence, but it's like an intended outcome that people feel like they know me and people right. feel like we have this relationship. That's that's by design. I'm trying to do that. Yeah. I want people to get to know me and feel invested when Grandson has a win, that that's a win for this community. But I also have to draw a line around like, you're the one taking care of yes. you. Take all this love you have for some celebrity or some artist or musician or athlete and give it to yourself. Give it to the person in the mirror who was really there for you. And and give love to the the pieces of pop culture that were there to boost you, right. that were there through those hard times, buy the t-shirts and the tickets and listen to the music for sure. But as far as really dumping the emotional um sense of 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 love, I would way rather see my fans have self-love yes. and express uh, an appreciation for what that song did while they got through that thing. Right. Versus telling me the song got them through it. Because it's just not true. And it's not sustainable for you when you crash again, going on to grandson's Instagram, thinking that I have the answers, going through my own shit. And I I need to build that that confidence up in myself. So that's what I try to do when there is that moment. I And I hear it, you know, yeah. your music did X, Y, Z. Um, the more that you can deflect that, I think that, it's just one more way that fans can can show up for themselves and then have more energy to show up for right. the project. We all have the tools that we need. Our coping mechanisms are all within us. The music can serve as a catalyst or a trigger to sort of ignite those tools that we have within ourselves. Yeah. That's really what it's all about. Yeah, I've met people that have been through just the worst kinds of breakups, public embarrassments, um, physical setbacks, loss, addiction, hopelessness the fact that some of you made it to this room this sweaty room and it smells like beer and piss <laughs> and you're here and some of them are alone they didn't even bring anyone to a yeah. show shouts out everyone that goes to concerts alone that's yes. what i'm talking yes. about like having the bravery to order that uber and go i'm gonna get out of bed i'm gonna dress in all black and i'm gonna stand in this room with a bunch of people like that is rock star shit. Don't give it to me, dude. Like I would have crumbled a hundred times already if I've been through just some of the things that fans have shared that they've gone through. So it's like, yeah, how how cool is that that you're here in spite of all of that? Um, and some people have never even been given the permission to give themselves that. Yeah, love. a lot of people just take it, you know, mm-hmm. and and to be able to be, you know, a, a role model or a figure in somebody's life. And tell them, when's the last time that you actually gave yourself a pat on the fucking back? Right. That can really um, be a seed that grows into something beautiful in somebody's life. 
Speaking of which, what is like an, an obstacle or a challenge that you have overcome and you feel really proud that you were able to conquer that? You know what? Because um, you're tough on yourself. Yeah. You're, you're tough on yourself. So I, I'm here to be like, let's celebrate something. Yeah. You know what? I've I've worked really hard in the past year or two to show up for myself. And um, I've had to make some really difficult choices um, as it relates to cutting people out of my life that were... Um, I've had a lot of things to be really proud of for myself. And um, I'm learning how to do that. I'm trying to do that more and more. And it's hard. It's mm-hmm. it's hard, you know. Um, but to try and put yourself first, to try and, and um, not only show up for yourself, but show up for your relationships and be the kind of partner you want to be, the kind of brother and son, and and um, and still play sixty shows, and still and still do all that. Like that, that's there's there's a lot that has has happened behind the scenes that is contributes to the turmoil of this album, and just making this album, confronting my own mental health. I remember the day that we put it out. I just look back on this this album that I just dropped, and I'm like regardless of whatever happened to it or if anyone even listened to it, I've changed so much and my life has changed so much in the making of this record that that this album has changed my life. Wow. And that this year, these two years post-pandemic, I've been able to really crystallize what I need and, and do more for me. And so, uh, yeah, I don't know if that's what people are coming to the podcast to hear, but, but it's, I, I'm working on it for sure. And it, it fills my cup up and I have more to give to other people because I've, I've made that space. So I'm so happy to hear that. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm so happy. You are, you're such a unique person. Well, one, you're so intelligent and your mind goes on and on, not, and you're, and you analyze and you overanalyze to a point where that can be helpful and it can be hurtful. Yeah, totally. So it's really about balancing it and navigating it and making it work for you. Yeah. I feel like it's almost like something you need to like lasso and 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 hone it to, to make it work for you. Is that yeah. something that you have to constantly yeah, I work think, on? I, I think what the ways in which I operate the best is when all this ana- analytical overthinking that I'm so guilty of, of doing if I can use some of that energy to set up a barrier around mm-hmm. my my soul, like there's a, a part of me that yearns to just be wild and just make wild music and put on a wild show and and not think. Um, the more that I can use my waking life and th- th- this analytical kind of attitude, if I can put around me um, systems where I feel safe to be a, a little kid raging like I used to jumping off my parents' couch. That is where I think I'm at my best. And when the grandson show is at its best, mm-hmm. there's an amount of chaos that comes from trust. Yes. If I trust the people around me, if I trust the systems that I put in place will have my back if shit goes wrong, from that place, I can do the things and be the kind of artist. Um, and then that's where magic happens. Yes. It's not from being analytical in the moment. It's not from second guessing yourself or doubting yourself. It's trusting the work that you put in to get yourself to this position. And then when you're there, just completely emptying your mind. And the best grandson shows are where I, I take a chance on somebody in the crowd who might, you know, know every single word and let's give them a microphone and see what happens or climbing up this thing over there and trusting that the people around me will have my back if I fall, like from those places of organized chaos are the just greatest moments in ever for, for rock, for rock and roll. And so it requires, yeah, a lot of faith and trust in the work you did just to get there 
And then you have to be able to empty that and not bring that anxiety or that that scarcity with you onto the stage, into the studio, into the the artistic process. Um, Because nobody wants to see that shit. Nobody wants to see somebody up there who's not 100% sure what and who they are. Right. That's what we come to escape. You know, that's why you buy a ticket to see something and be a part of something that is so much bigger than you. So you need to do whatever you can to, to not let that superhuman be like interrupted. That's right. You are at this pivotal point right now where it took everything you have and had to get to this great point. It's a, it is really, it's a, it's a milestone because you feel good about where you're at. You just made an album. You feel really good about you are the least in your head you've ever been. It's personal. You had personal friends and family members be part of it. And you feel good about it. You're headlining tours. You know, I mean, this is a, this is a part that you probably would have dreamed to be at, right? Like you would have dreamed and you're here now. Yeah. So now how do you see the next five, six years and beyond? Like what would be the next level or threshold of success for you? Yeah. I think that for me, making our making these choices in who grandson is and how I'm going to tackle the different parts of being a rock. It's not that complicated. It's shows and music um, and using your, your platform, making cool videos and, and pieces of digital, you know, uh, fingerprints that, that bring people in to the shows and the music. That's all it is. I got to uncomplicate it. And I think that, making this body of work that was so personal and rejecting so much of people's expectations of what grandson is has empowered me and gone, you know what? I've got this fan base. I've got these people around me that are here for the whole thing. It makes me excited to go back and give them what the fuck they want. So now I'm like, all right, let's go riff. Let's go rock. Like let's go do energy. Let's go do uh, the kind of grandson project that, has always been within me to make um, and return to that flow state. I just needed to get some of this out and make this really heady project and, and, and build that trust and look at these fans and go, no, they're here. We're rocking together. They're not going anywhere. These tattoos don't fade. Like these kids that have gotten a grandson tattoo, it's still on them. They're not going anywhere. Um, that is what I think I needed. So when I look at the next part, it's like just energy. It's just high, high energy. It's fun. It's it's um, going to be a, a really exciting time to to go to Europe right now. These fucking I've been cursing a lot on this podcast. I'm sorry. It's all but good. This, these fucking Europeans. If I always tell fans here, I, it's such a luxury to travel. But if you just if a fan in Cincinnati can just spend a week going to shows in Germany and mm-hmm. London, I'm like, it is just so fun. I can't Ultimate wait gift. to get yes. back to Europe because there's just an, an appreciation for this kind of music and an, an expression of the energy that's really fun. So bang that shit out, <laughs> kill that fucking tour and come back and make this goddamn music that people are expecting from me and that, that I know I have in me to give. And if I want to go make some weird side project or do more of collaboration like right. that's all out there to be right. had but yeah. i just felt like cool let's make something weird and, and and let's let's build something up so that i can just not feel like i have to do something now i want to do that thing that people express um that they want to hear from grandson so that's why i'm gonna give you a, daddy's got it for you i'm gonna <laughs> open wide it's coming in all right let's do deep cuts okay sounds good Name a song, album, or artist that changed your life. Damn. There's so many, but when I was a kid, I listened to Renegades by Jay-Z and Eminem. It's just a song of an attitude of, I don't really give a fuck what y'all are saying about me. I'm going to be who I am. I'm going to go against the grain. And as a 13-year-old kid in Toronto, I was like, what the fuck was that? That <laughs> really put me on this whole trajectory was that song, Eminem's verse in that song. I wanted to learn it and know every single word. Like that song, um, Battle for Los Angeles, um, Biggie, uh, man, just so, so much different, different stuff. But 
Yeah. So good. Know. Good picks. Really good sure. picks. Thanks. What was your first concert? My first concert was Umphreys McGee. It's like a prog rock yes, band. Yes, of course. That's uh, really I saw cool. Them at the Opera House in Toronto. It was so random. That is random. And I remember um, I had a friend who had an older brother who had tickets. So I'm like in, in eighth grade, and now I'm at this Umphreys McGee concert. I don't know how this thing was was all ages because the whole room was hot boxed. I remember being like, <laughs> "What is this delicious smell?" And uh, I remember John Mayer was on the Continuum tour, but I couldn't afford tickets to that. And so I was doing this like quiet, um, like protest. Like, I'm not like you hippies. I should be at the John Mayer concert, man. <laughs> and then as soon as- he's so punk rock. Uh, yeah, yeah, totally. totally. Like, Y'all, I'm not like you, man. Like, I have a girlfriend. You know, but then- <laughs> But then once the, once they started, they did some 15-minute guitar solo. It's like that Grateful yes, Dead. totally. Of course. I just remember being like, whoa, whoa dude, this yeah. is cool. So, so cool. That, that, was, that was the first concert I ever went to. It's a great first experience. It was pretty funny. Um, it was the first time, yeah, just seeing like just people covered in tattoos and weed and rock and roll. Being and so like, present. Yeah, and like, live show. It was a live show. It's the show. best feeling. I don't think if you asked me then that I would go to thousands of concerts that I would have known it at the time, let alone play them. But I, I do remember leaving that being like, yeah, I want, I want more of that. That was fun. Ugh, it's the best. What's a song you wish you wrote? <sighs> wow. Um, probably Imagine by John Lennon. Ugh. Something that just like transcends and just speaks to, to the human consciousness or like Give Peace a Chance or yeah. Three Little Birds by Bob Marley. Ugh. Something like that that's just, you know, like. Like the simplicity like humanity of Humanity needs a national anthem. Yes, yes. Like just something like that. One of those kind of just we are the world type. Yeah. Epic. So That'd good. So cool. So what good. A, what a beautiful contribution to the world and and to do it with a with with a message of of togetherness is is special when you get people's attention like that doing something noble with it and bringing people together that that's something i, I would love to be able to accomplish yeah marvin gay what's going on i mean yeah. all, all of these just and they're all so simple really yeah. not simple they're very skilled songwriting but just oh but it takes so much skill to do of something course, so simple. simple it does Fuck. it really does yeah it'll just drive you crazy <laughs> What's your favorite movie? Oh, I don't. I'm terrible at these quick hits. <laughs> What's my favorite movie? Dude, I don't know. I would say like you know what? It's, this might not be it, but I'm, you're gonna love this. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. I just rewatched this the other day. The Princess Bride. Oh, classic. I knew classic. Like that. Good choice. I know. That's a I great choice. That one the other day. And I was like, wow, what a what it's a. It's a great movie. Yeah, that's a good one. Okay. Yeah. Well done. Okay. Thank you. What is your favorite meal or cuisine? I love all kinds, but I, I'm really into Korean food. Mm-hmm. Really excited to, to, for the opportunity to go to South Korea someday. Um, I love Korean food. I love Japanese food. I love Mexican food. I'm a pretty big foodie these yeah, days. You are. Yeah, you I are. know you are too. Yeah. You kind of you showed me the way. We bond about that. Yeah. Though. Yes. That was, uh, that. that's it. We got to, once this is done, I got a couple of new ones for okay, you. Okay, good. I want to bond with you about that. Okay. What is something your fans would be surprised to learn about you? I mean, I, I don't think that there's that much that would surprise them at this point. I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty much me, but maybe one thing is that um you know what I never really listened to Metallica. <laughs> I love that. That's such a good one. That's so good. It's just, I don't know. Some fans <laughs> might be surprised by that just because my music is kind of riffy and stuff. But that whole era of like late 80s yeah. rock, I just completely was not, I wasn't born yet. But I right. wasn't, I never found it after either. Like I kind of picked up around, I, I, I have a break from like 70s to like grunge. Well, There's that's something a, missing from that's me That's the thing. It's never too late, you yeah, know, to go totally. back and find the gems. I love to be a student. So yeah. I actually love to go back and learn yeah. about these albums. Artists, people talk about that. I just don't know. It's impossible for us to know everything. Yeah. I can appreciate just how maximal it was. Like yeah. the Aerosmiths and the, like Guns N' Roses. Like it just didn't get any bigger. Right, like, right, the right. The tours, right. the scale of it was so incomprehensible. The songs. Yeah. The song. Yeah, making yeah. it, but. Yeah, the songs is the part I never got into. So maybe I'm, that, I, I don't know. I'm here to help. Okay, I'm here to help. Please, please. I am the rock educate doc. Educate me. I, I need some doc. of that. I need some of that. 
Who would be your dream collaboration? My dream collaboration would be any any number of artists from um I would I would love to work with like Boys Noise and Skrillex and Fred again and um th- this new alternative dance music. Mm-hmm. Um I would love to work with some of the great performers of of my generation um to make something high intensity, high energy um artists that I've seen who have really commanded a, a live show like um JPEG Mafia and and Denzel Curry um th- those artists that just know how to really mm-hmm. throw down idols Ugh, is a great band I love idols I love Denzel Curry I'm loving what you're saying yeah, yeah. um those kinds of artists and then like uh Little Sims is yeah. an incredible alt rapper just hip hop artist I just think she's so cool um yeah it's an exciting time I it really is. think so. I, yeah. I actually really, really find that there is a certain formlessness. I, I do think that the more that people are um, forced online and and the more people are living through the phone, the more that there is an expectation on artists to make things that feel real and organic and yes. interesting. And um, artists like Sleep Token. Ugh. It's like, dude, I I've just them. been listening to like, so much music right now that's just so good. Yes. And I, I just think that anyone that has something to hate on about this age, I think getting your music heard is in a pretty weird and it's depressing tough. place. Right. But I think actually the making of music is in a really cool place. Really cool place. Um, and it all, it's all cycles, but I, I think there is some really cool shit going on right now. And what I think is exciting is that because we are in this time where everything is so polished and filtered and perfect – the subcultures and the countercultures right. are actually thriving. Yeah. And that's like my people. That's yeah, our people. That, so it's like all cool. of the underground stuff and the alternative stuff, alternative to whatever, you know, yeah. that is all flourishing and thriving and yeah. building. And that's exciting to me. Yeah, I think so too. I think trying to and, and going into different cities on tour and talking to fans about what they're listening to and where they're even going to shows mm-hmm. has been uh has been really has been really cool. Yeah. Do you have words that you live by? Rock and roll. Oh, I love that. That's what I'm trying to do. Just trying to. Right now, my my, my word of this year is absolute. It's just kind of been like make a choice once. Re, don't revisit it. Keep moving forward. Be who you are. Be who you said you'd be. Um, don't. Don't second guess it and don't falter, especially to the people that, that count on you. That kind of attitude has really helped shape my my leadership style in this in this new era. It's been fun. It's oh, really, God. really been uh, helpful as somebody who is an, an over analytical person. Tr- again, just trusting that you put in as much as you possibly could into that decision when you made it and just move the fuck on. If it goes well, great. If it doesn't, make another one. But that thing has been so, so like life affirming. It's, it's made cleared up all this room to just yes. let things be what they are. Right. Being absolute and just making a choice once has, has really been important for, for this, this time in my life. Trust yourself. Love yourself. Fuck yeah. She just gave me a new one. <laughs> right. I love you, Jordan. I love you too. I am so happy for you and proud of you. Thank you. Likewise. Uh, from the, the bottom of my heart. Anytime. I can do anything. Like, come on. Come 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 on. Come on. This is what it is, right? This is what, this is this is Allison Amazing. I love it. Thank love you. It. Jordan is a true artist. I know that word gets thrown around a lot, but Jordan is the real deal. He is really building something very special, and I can't wait to see what the future holds for him. It is now time for my sound advice, new music you need to know on the Allison Hagendorf Show playlist. You know how much I love supporting independent artists and young artists on the rise. So I have to feature this young superstar, Wrecker. He just turned 13. He's already making his mark. His song with Sorry X is out today, and I love this collaboration. Wrecker cites Travis Barker, Nothing Nowhere, Bring Me the Horizon, and Spirit Box's influences. And Sorry X loves Evanescence, Ashniko, Paris, Royal and the Serpent, System of a Down, and Juice World. Combining all of this inspo and the talent of both Wrecker and Sorry X brought us this song out today. Check out Betrayed. 
Next up is Holding Absence from Wales. Their new album, The Noble Art of Self-Destruction, the third in a trilogy, just came out. And frontman Lucas Woodland says this song is a love letter to death, one of their darkest songs to date. It is emotional. It's beautiful. It's dynamic. Check out Her Wings. Also this week is a song from The Dangerous Summer. Not only do I love this band and this song, but it features Max Bemis of Say Anything. So this song is stimulation overload for me in the best possible way. The band told me this song is a nod to how we are all just fighting out here for survival and the pursuit of more. And sometimes it feels like we get lost in the process. Check out All I Ever Wanted Was a Chance to Know Myself. That's my sound advice this week. Search for the Allison Hagendorf Show playlist wherever you listen to music. Thank you so much, as always, for being part of the Allison Hagendorf Show. New episodes drop every Friday, so make sure you follow and subscribe so you don't miss a thing. You can find the show wherever you listen to podcasts, and you can watch the show on YouTube. I would love to hear from you, so please like, comment, rate, review, whatever you're feeling, and reach out to me on socials at Allie Hagendorf. I would love to connect with you. Let me know who I should interview next and what new music I should feature on my sound advice Thanks again. I'll see you next week. And remember, you're a rock star.